Welcome to the Alliance Live podcast, spotlighting emerging issues, examples of good practice and innovation taking place within health and social care in Scotland. Thank you very much everyone for joining us today to this podcast episode of Alliance Live. My name is Carmen Papuzadutsu and I'm a development officer in the digital health and care team at the Alliance. Joining me today are three network members who will talk a bit more about what self-management is and how self-management has been impacted by lockdown. And we'll also discuss the link between self-management and digital. To start with, I will just let our guests introduce themselves in order. My name is Maggie Wright and I run an organisation, a social enterprise called Families in Trauma. And we specifically wanted to be dealing with digital services. We didn't have physical presence. We wanted to be online and use digital resources from the very beginning. So we create things like podcasts and e-learning and various different social media and lots of things like that to help people to support them when they're going through trauma. And especially so that they can manage certain things themselves as well as get help from other people, but certainly to take control of their own uh, difficulties. Hi, I'm Sodik Fakouris. I'm from an organisation called Legoit. Let's go on with it together. And I'm the e-learning development officer. We provide services to support those living with long-term conditions, be them health or mental conditions. And we do that by providing uh, self-management course training and also running Living Better groups. Uh, and my role is to take what we're doing in classroom and convert e- into e-learning. Thank you very much. And Ben? Hi, my name is Ben Benjamin. I'm a development worker at LGBT Health and Wellbeing. And we're a Scottish charity serving the LGBT community um, throughout Scotland. We run social groups. We have a helpline. Uh, we run counselling as well. I work on a self-management mental health project. I think I'm probably a bit different in that I'm really used to doing things out in the community uh, in physical spaces. All of our groups are usually meet-up groups, big groups of people meeting together. So things have changed loads <laughs> for me and my colleagues since this has started. It's been a real le- learning curve, um, but we've learned a lot and we've really learned a lot from the community. So I think, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about how things have changed because they've changed a lot for us. Thank you very much, everyone. So the first question, just to start us off, is very much linked to what Ben just said there. So how are services, how are your services coping at the moment in the current lockdown situation? And what impact has this had on people's ability to self-manage? Up until now, our self-management courses have been run in class. So of course, we've had to cancel everything. We've actually canceled all the courses until September, October. Luckily, I was in the process of developing and finishing off a toolkit there was going to be a supplement to the course. We've now made that available to all of our members through a closed website area. And in fact, that's going to be piloted by a few other organisations. Um, Highland Council are looking at piloting it now, and the Alliance will be piloting it as well, hopefully starting on the 18th of this month. So for us, we've had to adapt very quickly uh, to continue providing the services that we do. So we've done that in a number of ways. We have community network people, we have five of them covering the whole of the Highland, and they've contacted each of the members that they're responsible for to see what that we can do to help them during this time. So they've come back, we're now running things like Tai Chi, Pilates, all online, using Zoom, 
and using WebEx. And they've been really successful to date. We're actually increasing the number of classes we're now running. So from touching around about 220 people a month in training and living better groups, we're doing around about 100 people a month at the moment, which is not bad. And we're looking to increase that. So it's really adapting the services that we provide, but listening to those people that want the services and reacting to what they want. So it's not just what we think that they want, we're actually drawing them out, asking them, what do you want? What do you want us to do? So that's it. It's continued contact with them. So our community networkers are on the phone three or four times a week to each of the members that want it. And once a week to others, once a month to others. Depends what people want. In a way, it was quite timely for our organisation because we were actually in a testing phase of our first e-learning project that we were putting out anyway. So January, February and March was where the course was actually being sent out to people and actually being tested. Now, we've actually adjusted various different pieces of the actual course that we're putting out. And at the end of this month, it's actually going to be ready to launch. So we will be able to share that with everyone else. And because it's actually come during the COVID crisis, we're able to actually put a few things into the course to hopefully be able to help with the self-management And the point of the course is about um, connecting these people with other people who have actually gone through similar circumstances. So we're using the power of peer support to actually help people to, to get tools from other people who have gone through similar things and help them to see, well, maybe I could try this or I could try that. So, so that will be at the end of this month, that will be actually launched. But one of the other responses that we've done is we're actually creating a series of podcasts um, where we will actually interview other services to find out the different things that they've been doing so that we can actually share that with other people. Because many of the the services on the ground, they, they don't have the skills to be able to share it in the same way, whereas an organization who's actually doing that online can actually help them to be able to share these things as much as possible. And in that way, we're connecting far more with other organizations, um, but we're still giving this self-management tool to people to actually log into the course. Um, and it's not a course that is, you know, module by module and you get a qualification. This is a support course. It's only about supporting them to get through whatever. They don't need any more pressure on top of the pressure that they already have. So this is really just about being a support to them. And so they feel that's realistic. That really helped me. And again, connecting with other services. And I have to say that, you know, many services were struggling on the ground. And yet I have to say, you have to take your hats off to them because they've really, really stepped up to the plate and really tried hard to be able to get these services online when actually they've never used it before, um, which I just think is really admirable for, for all of them actually who've done that. I just want to say um, both those sound really amazing and I'd like to get in touch with uh, both of you actually about the different things we're doing. I think um, a lot of the online resources people are putting out at the moment will be great for, you know, various people in our community to get hold of. One of the nice things about this period has been so many people have got in touch with me saying this is something I offer online that I didn't know about before that. Mm -hmm. 
something I want to offer online, you know, and we've been able to kind of give community members the tools to offer something online um, that they may not have been comfortable with offering in person. So it's really interesting what people have come up with. But yeah, I mean, it took us a while, you know, it took us a few weeks <laughs> to get to grips with putting things online. Usually we put out a physical kind of booklet, you know, and it, it's a kind of program of events in some ways. So it's got um, everything we've planned coming up for three months of that had to be completely kind of eradicated and started again in some ways so um yes yeah, so, you know i think people found it frustrating and uh, a lot of our community members are really looking forward to things that they've got coming up you know because community building is a lot of the work that we do so, so the real worry was keeping that feeling going of you know being part of a community being part of something um, when everyone's in their separate spaces we thought how we can uh, do a lot of the events that we would usually do and kind of thought what is it we were trying to achieve with the events that we would have had and how can we achieve that online which doesn't necessarily mean replicating them online because obviously things online are quite different so uh, kind of thinking of different tools to use some stuff's on zoom but we've also kind of done quite a lot on social media um and you know some some of the things we've done um have, have been with whatsapp groups and calling people up and that kind of thing because uh, there's access issues around that as well so um yeah it's it's been a learning curve but it's been really interesting and i think that like Definitely um, all of our staff and probably quite a lot of our community members are going to come away with um, new skills that they didn't have before. So that's something uh, that's definitely like a sort of silver lining. That's really interesting. And I think one thread that I can pick up from what all three of you have said was that importance of connection. I think it's obvious that connection is such an important aspect in self-management. And then I suppose my next question is, what role does technology play in enhancing this connection? How do you find online new ways of working that are still focused on the outcomes that you want to achieve, like Ben has said, and how do we ensure that we're still focusing on people's self-management? I think that comes from the people themselves as they're using things. You'll be able to pick it up from, from, from what they're saying, what they're reacting to, and how they respond and how they feed back. I think um, with us particularly, because we're looking at people with long-term conditions, health or mental ones it's the it's the feeling that they're with someone else that they have someone else there who they can speak to so it's what maggie mentioned earlier on about peer support it's an instinctive peer support group that's formed they'll look to their community networker who leads it even online will lead the the, the session but they look to each other for further support mm -hmm. because you have a closed facebook group as well in addition to everything else we do now they can communicate through that very safely and those that have trouble with the technology, if they don't feel like contacting us because they feel I'm too nervous to do that, they'll contact one of their peer support group who will then help them to achieve what they need to do to get online and take part in one of the sessions comfortably. Because a lot of the people do find that the technology is a bit too scary, a bit too much, and shy away from it and think, no, I can't do this. But with a little bit of help, hand-holding, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The technology is there. The technology works very, very well when you know how to use it. So one of the first things we do is we help these people understand how to use the technology. And it's not there to scare them and bite them and attack them. It's there to help and it's a tool. If, if I can just come in on that point, actually, that's kind of what I wanted to stress was that we, we need to make sure we know why we're using technology and what it's for, that it's a tool. It's not... It's not a be-all and end-all. It doesn't solve everything. It's just an add-on to actually dealing with people in the real world. And if we can use it in the same way and give people the same respect 
that they may be scared or, you know, they feel threatened and whatever. And as you said, hand-holding, you know, to, to actually get them over that barrier because it's such a powerful tool. But we have to remember it is only a tool. We are actually dealing with people. We're not dealing with technology. And the technology really just has to be, uh, it's, it's something we have to get over so that we can reach the people and then the technology fades into the background. We don't actually want the technology to be the barrier. We want it to fade into the background so that we can make direct connections with people, but use the technology just as a tool. And I think if we don't hype it up into something so big, we can keep it quite simple for people to begin with um, so that they're not scared and recognise that it is a, a real fear for people. But in the same vein, it can be a powerful tool for them to be able to connect with members of their own community, whether that's geographical or through some shared trauma or whatever else they're, they're dealing with. In terms of kind of communities and, and having the technology as just a sort of facilitator, I suppose, is maybe, you know, what you meant. I found that we've actually we've grown some new communities since yeah. we've been technology more. But one of the plus sides is a lot more people who have long-term conditions or people who have mobility issues who can't necessarily always get to events for various reasons have been online a lot more. And we've seen a lot more of them, which mm -hmm. has been wonderful. And there's been a lot of peer support yeah. between those groups. So that's been wonderful. And, I, I, you know, quite a lot of people come regularly to our online things that I, I don't always see that regularly for whatever reason, you know. Um, and so I'm seeing new communities form and, 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 that's, and that's, that's really great. And that's, you know, that's the way that the technology has led that to happen. You're right, we do need to make it feel less scary for people. Um, I suppose um, for the LGBT community, there are some other barriers. C communities that we work with specifically, we work with quite a lot of asylum seekers, for example, um, especially in our mental health work. At the moment, um, during COVID-19, um, asylum seekers uh, are in a really tough situation. Some asylum seekers are unable to afford phone credit and that kind of thing, uh, mm. which means that they actually haven't access to technology at all. So it's just a case of um, getting... Uh, organizations to get help putting those kind of bridges in to people and um, but physically you know actually you know coming to people or calling people up and that kind of thing also you know um, I'm sure as you both do we work with a lot of older people for whom maybe you know maybe accessing technology is just not something that's ever going to happen there's no there's no point forcing people who, who uh, really don't want that so we've been uh, sending out like physical postal newsletters versions of the of the e-newsletters that we've been doing um so that they can start, kind of take part as well so it's kind of branching out to the people who um otherwise you know if it, everything was online that uh, it still wouldn't be accessible um so yeah there, there's definitely been a, a positive and a negative side to having everything online for us so i think through the discussion so far we've already touched upon some of the maybe unexpected opportunities that this situation has brought up, such as, like you said, finding new communities or forming new communities, easier access to some engagement, enhancing peer support. Um, I think motivation is also a new opportunity. And I can see that in teams, you know, across their sector organizations who were perhaps struggling with remote working before, and now you just you just have to do it, so the motivation is there to learn. Is there anything else that you've spotted? Probably on that remote working aspect, I mean, with us, it's, the opportunities provided for us is that very quickly we can create animations that support things like the home working during this lockdown period. So developing um, small animations, no more than about four or five minutes long, to deal with home working, to deal with coping with the lockdown and loneliness and physical activity and 
all those kinds of things like that. So every couple of weeks, we're looking at developing another one and publishing it on our website. And then, again, the Alliance will take things like that on and put it on as an annex to their website. And that's they're getting viewed quite a lot. And we use things like LinkedIn as well for the business area um, because we do want companies to understand what's going on with their people as well. Uh, so, yeah, those are kind of opportunities and where the tech fits in. And it allows us very quickly to create something that people can look at. And it's quite lighthearted. It's not kind of like dull and dreary. No. It's quite, you know, and you've got to do something like that as well, I think. Yeah. Because people can associate e-learning, any, any tech online that you can deliver as something, oh, my God, very mundane. Yeah. Uh, so you just do something that's slightly different mm -hmm. and people relate to it and people take it on board. And I think um, just on that point there, I think that the um, the learning going forward is different than it used to be in the past. Sometimes people had to do training online and they were like, oh, I can't stand it. It's so boring because people were just putting training courses that they already had and trying to put it online and they weren't actually adapting it to make it enjoyable and fun. But I think what this has done is it's actually forced us to think, do you know, if we're going to have to be online, then we have to make this accessible and fun so that people actually are looking forward to doing it and not dreading it and thinking, how can I actually get out of this? Rather, what can I get out of this actually that's really going to help me? Because I've been on one before and, and I had so much fun. Um, you know, and you want people to feel like that about it so it breaks down the barriers. And what it does is it actually gives more freedom to people eventually because it adds something to their life rather than creates a burden to them. Yeah, and I also think what you were saying earlier about your course, Maggie, that it's not structured as a course where you've got to start yeah. and complete it. Yeah. It's the same with our toolkit. It's a resource. Yeah. So if I know that I want to find something else about stress, how to manage my stress. I just click on that bit and there's yeah. an animation. There's 30 seconds of reading for me to do this. That's it. That's helped me. And I'll move yeah. on and do something yeah. else now. And yeah. that's the way it has to be now. And yeah. that's the other opportunity I think that this has given us and where the technology fits in particularly now is that we can develop e-learning and tools and animations very quickly in that style before you couldn't do it. And that, mm. and their example still being used by organizations not a million miles away from where I'm sitting now that have learning in the old way where they say to your staff now you're on lockdown we want you to go through all this training and these poor people looking and saying how does that relate to me why do I need to know about FCA regulations when I'm a PSA at school for example you know it's just not thought about yeah. we've taken a step back and we've thought about what we're we doing in our classroom environment yeah, with our self-management course, and how can we make that replicate in some way online to make it fun, to make it interactive? And I think we're beginning to achieve that. And the more and more work we do, the more and more of that we will achieve. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, and listening to you and thinking, oh, you know, um, this is something I've definitely got to, to look into a bit more because I, I think I've heard from your organisation before, but every time you talk about what you do, it sounds really interesting. But I, <laughs> I feel like the world's 
the world does feel like it's got smaller in the last few months, doesn't it? Um, you know, we, we often have people coming to speak at events or, uh, you know, people coming to talk about what they're doing in their communities. I mean, the LGBT community is worldwide and we have a lot of shared um, understandings of things. Um, and now that a lot of people are doing things online, um, we're thinking, wow, you know, maybe we could get someone to come and join a discussion from New York. You know, maybe we could yeah. get someone to talk about the LGBT community, you know, in different countries in Africa. You know, I mean, like, it's it, it, it definitely a huge opportunity to to make the world feel smaller and just really hear from, like, all kinds of different organisations and different points of view, for sure. Oh, that's a really good point, Ben, because it means... We, we run forums. We run a forum each quarter. So we're replanning those. And we run a big event during the summer as well. They're going to be run online from now on because it means that I can actually reach everyone we need to reach without them having to come to us. I can get speakers, quite influential, quite up-to-date speakers, without having to pay them an arm and a leg to come to be mm. physically there. And we can set it up so it's an online conference. People yeah. can have breakout rooms. You can yeah. have voting, you can have polls, you can do everything you want to do that you would normally do face-to-face. -face. You can now do it remotely yeah. without having to spend fortunes. I mean, it just yeah. costs so much money to set these things up. Yeah. And the time that's involved as well. It's so time. much yeah, exactly. time, you know? Yeah. I just want to say I love how positive you're all being. And I know these are, these are difficult times, but it's so good to hear these you know good examples. Come, I love what I do. <laughs> I actually, to, to be truthful, when I started, when I got funded from the Alliance to do an online course using peer support, um, I actually found I had a lot of legwork of actually going and speaking to other services and trying to explain to them what I was trying to do. And they really didn't get it. And we're only talking about, you know, a year ago. And I was still pounding the pavement, trying to speak to people about this is something that people could use. Now that COVID's come along, all of a sudden, everybody's eyes are actually open to the fact that, oh my goodness, there is such an opportunity here. And we do know some of the, the downsides to it, but we have to look at the opportunities as well. And this is not about exploiting a situation. This is actually about creating and offering new things to people, additional things that they never had in the past. So rather than viewing it as a negative thing, I think we've really got to look at it in a positive way. And for myself, uh, you know, because I wanted it as online, um, I feel like it's just accelerated so fast. So I'm really happy about it. And I am positive, not about what's happened to people and their, their life circumstances, but the fact that we can provide something that may be able to help them that they couldn't have had in the past. And it, it's fantastic to be able to do that community members who've said that you know they've been saying oh you know um we've wanted things to be online forever and you know we've been kind of campaigning for that and uh and and you know we've wanted to work from home and we've been campaigning for that and you know now everyone has to do it everyone's like oh that was a great idea and they're like why didn't you do this 10 years ago you know um, and we're like oh yeah um but but we've got there now and and i think definitely you know we're going to continue to you know hopefully when when things ease up and people are able to see each other a bit more again we will continue to to do more online um because it's it's really worked well for some folks for sure but i mean carmen i don't want to you to think that it's been all uh sweetness and roses every day for us you know i think oh. the staff team's mental health has definitely taken a hit over this time for sure and you know seeing the things that some of our community members are going through at the moment is is it's a real trial yeah so we're taking it day by day for sure 
just trying to find the positives where we can, I suppose. <clears throat> and I think that's a good um, segment to my next question, which was, you know, in order to keep the focus on people and self-management, is there a fine balance that we need to maintain between what can be digital and what should be digital and the sort of things that we should really take offline? That's a good question, and it's a very difficult one to answer because it's different for different people. Um, even even in a face-to-face -face situation, you're going to handle different people in a different way, and it's the same online. So my way of thinking is that you put as much as you can for people to use um, online, and it's down to them to either use it or not. Um, mm -hmm. When it's really confidential information, of course, you don't do that. No one does that. Even in a face-to-face -face situation, you have to be very careful. However, if you take it to its full extent of what I see, what we're trying to do at LegoIt, peer support, online peer support, is hopefully going to be my next stage of going in. And that's why we have our volunteer trainers spending time online with people at particular points in time. So let's say every Thursday evening at 7.30, me as a volunteer will be available for an hour to discuss things in person, as it were, with one of our members or two of our members. And I think that's an important thing. So mm -hmm. e-learning is brilliant, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It's a tool. It's what we said right at the beginning. It's a tool, and it's how we facilitate and use that tool to the greatest extent to make the impact that we need it to make. Mm -hmm. But the personal touch in our line of business, you can't live without it. You know, particularly no. when you're talking about mental health issues. Yeah. You can't live without the, the personal one-to-one -one touch. You yeah. need it. And, and if I can say, just say a point on that, that it's not really the technology that's the determining factor about whether people are at the centre um, of managing their conditions. This is about um, people themselves, the, the managers of these services, they themselves have to take that on board and see, you, you know, well, is this a, a time where we need to, you know, put out something online? Or is, is this a time that we actually need to physically connect with these people? You have to have both. I think there's no point cutting one off. You actually have to have both because we have that at our fingertips now. So why should we not be using it? They're fantastic tools, each of them. But they are... It's about the people who run that service determining themselves, how am I best going to... To, to service the needs of these people that is going to be the best for them, the best quality for them. And so you can use either or, um, or both. Um, but one does not replace the other. That's for a certainty. I totally agree, Matt. Yeah, you know, I think there's no question that, you know, once we're, once we're able to, to um, have... Um, groups meeting in rooms or you know outdoors or whatever or going on going on nature walks and that kind of thing again of course we're going to go back to doing that you know um if you think about sort of you know the the the, the ways to well-being and that kind of thing a lot of it's a lot of what makes us feel good is to do with being in rooms with people eating meals together you know going out and 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 communing with nature and 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 kind of feeling like a part of the world and you know you can't replicate that online um but i think definitely you know we'll we'll use online things as a tool to get people involved that otherwise couldn't be involved and also, you know, things that both of you provide, you know, toolkits that are there online that will be hard for us to provide um, in, in more of a kind of physical setting. Definitely something that we're going to look more into from now on. You know, the, the things that people have suggested that we get involved in in the last few months are definitely things we'll keep hold of for sure. I think the use of technology and people using it now in this situation 
I think it's making people feel less feared of it. Yeah. Those who were more skeptical about using things like that are thinking, well, actually now I've used it and it works. And I can meet with my friends and I can meet with my peer or I can meet with my tutor. So everyone's doing it. Um, so I think it's going to carry on um, after this is over. I, I think the whole way things are done is going to change drastically, dramatically. I think there'll be more people working from home. Mm -hmm. I think there'll be more people communicating this way, even if they live a mile away from each other. I think they'll, it definitely will continue. And I think we'll be able to have more groups forming naturally from this, you know, which come from our living better groups and they'll just morph onto something else and something else. And I can definitely see, because as I said earlier, we're running Tai Chi and Pilates classes online. They'll carry on. I can't see them stopping because mm -hmm. we're getting people all over Highland who would never meet yeah, to do a class, doing a class now online. And it works. It's great. One little point on the situation for myself because I'm dealing with families in trauma sometimes people do they cannot connect with communities um, who have gone through similar things because it's such a trauma for them maybe their friends haven't gone through that so they wouldn't naturally be able to connect with their friends but there may be other people that they need to connect with and this is where this online groups actually really helps them because they can get a community of interest and all of a sudden they have this support that they would never have had in the past due to even things like stigmatization where people cannot even talk about what they what is important to them or what has hurt them they cannot share that perhaps with their family or their friends but you have these communities of interest and how powerful they are because they can give support to each other and they understand each other because they have gone through the similar circumstances and that's why I really feel that you know these these are powerful communities that can really help people um, and again as I said there are communities in physical lives and communities in online lives but there's so many benefits I think they outweigh the negatives yeah I know you yeah. Partly the LGBT community is, you know, has always been an online community, maybe more than other communities, um, because it's not a geographic community. And, you know, there are people who are living living with families who don't accept them or have, you know, have left their geographic communities or don't have a, a, a kind of a biological family per se because they've been rejected. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess online um, communication has always been really um, important for our, uh, for our community. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of tapping into that and kind of finding out what works for people, I suppose. Before I sort of summarise, is there anything else? Are there any other points that any of you would like to make? I would just say that you, you really need to keep engaged in the physical world. Um, and recognize that digital is a tool that will help you uh, to live your life, but it's not a replacement for your life. Um, you know, so we need to keep, as in life, everything needs balance. You know, we need a balance in everything. If we go to the extreme in one thing or another, it doesn't work. You know, we have to be balanced. So make sure that you still engage in the things that you love, you know, walking, crafts or whatever. Uh, and all of these things help to nurture the soul. And that's what we're trying to do is nurture our soul and look after ourselves through the self-management type of programs. So recognize that within ourselves and use digital where we need to, but don't disconnect from real life either. I'd just like to say, I think that uh, more people have actually discovered digital now and you're using it. Yeah. 
that we've had so many people joining mm. our groups that would never have done it before yeah. um, using a digital format. So it is, it's a blended solution. It's finding that happy medium for each person. It's not the same for each person. Mm. And having both, having the face-to-face -face and the digital together, people can dip in and out of whichever bit they want. Yeah. It just allows them to do what they want when they want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I really loved what you said about balance. I was going to say I couldn't have put it better myself. And same, we've had lots of um, new people joining us. And I think it's just important that we take the um, good things that we can from 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 what digital has to offer, uh, but make sure that we don't leave anyone behind um, and make sure that, you know, we include as many people as we can. Um, and if digital is helping people to, to access our services, that's amazing. Um, but we need to make sure that we that we keep everyone on board. And so just use as many tools as we've got and use as many as we can um, going forward, I suppose. I did agree with you that there will be so many opportunities for learning that will carry on way beyond this period of time. And I think we will see a lot of accelerated change, change for better. It's just great to see all the passion that you're putting into, you know, all your services and your work. It's fantastic. Thank you. You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. That's www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter.